So gracious under pressure, and you're so common to have around. Thanks for tuning in to another JGT podcast and for part two of my conversation with Greg Murray. Thanks also for the positive feedback on part one, that's always very well received. Uh, we're going to focus today very much on talking music with Greg and um, try and get to know uh, a little bit about um, how he first formed the, the early version of the Seven Wonders and um, what his plans are for the future and then we'll get into talking about his brand new release uh, which is very exciting. Okay, here we go with part two of Greg Murray. First band, God Almighty. Uh, well, I mean, from Belfast, singer songwriting for a wee while there, and Tran covers could never master them, couldn't better them, uh, couldn't sing them, couldn't play them. Three chords and the truth. Uh, and then I started writing my own wee bits and pieces, and uh, and getting more satisfaction from that. And at the time in Belfast, even send wee demos off to not not labels as such, but little uh, fanzines and and tiny little uh, college radio stations in America, and even getting picked up by a few, and even getting on a couple of wee labels. There was a there was one in the UK called Wretched Recordings, believe it or not. There was Minty Fresh, was another one in America. There was Elephant Records in Spain, and this is all like singer-songwriterly sort of stuff. I did a wee bit of that. And then, we see after that, uh, and, and getting a wee bit of satisfaction from that, I came over here, and I mentioned that in the first wee part of the podcast. And Love took me over here with my girlfriend, wife now, and because of the ceramic design and all the rest of it, and her work, working for uh, 
Wedgwood and different things here in the Midlands. And I, 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 I decided I'll do a little postgrad. And this was the, uh, the masters that I decided to do up in North Staffs. And I can remember going into the students' union and, and seeing a little advertisement. And I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to see if I can re recruit somebody. And I was doing an ad on the board on a piece of card where you could pull off these telephone numbers. And this guy turned beside me and he said, oh, are you interested in doing something? And I said, I am. And it was a good friend of mine called John Milani. And he was at the university and he must have been maybe his second or third year or something. And we headed off straight away, played electric guitar. I played him some of my bits and pieces. And we says, yep, let's see if we can do this. He had a friend called Neil Jewis and then uh, Dave Birch on drums. And we formed a four piece. And we were, went by the name of, believe it or not, Josiah Wood. Not W-O-O-D, but W-O-U-L-D, thinking there's a bit of a... <laughs> Not that it made any difference, really. But we, we, uh, we used to rehearse upstairs in the Wheat Chief. Great, great fella there by the name of Jeff, who ran it at the time. And uh, he went on to do the commercial further on down the London Road. But he would... Uh, it was very abrupt, very... Uh, his language is a wee bit more flurry than mine. But he... He would say, uh, it would be on a Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening was whenever all the touring bands would, would come down. And believe it or not, the, this is even before Sugar Mill days up in Hanley. And bands coming up from Manchester, coming down from Manchester, up from Birmingham and London, wherever else. And I used to call in. Excuse me. <clears throat> beg your pardon. I'm going to grab a wee coffee here. Hold on, hold on. Okay. And, hold on. Hmm. Just having a wee coffee, and what would happen would Jeff would lift the phone and say, "Greg, are you free to play tonight?" And I went, "Yeah, okay, no worries." So I'd phone my friends, and we would show up about six o'clock at the wee chief, not knowing who we're going to support. I love that. Just while you're having a, a wee drink there, I love that uh, three chords and the truth. Three chords and the truth before. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Three chords and the truth, a bit like Bono. But that's all I knew, pretty much three chords. Hit the record button again. Here we go. So, yes, yeah, so this band, I would, Jeff would give us a call early evening. We'd show up with our bits and pieces at the door of the Wheat Chief. And we supported the likes of Gene once. Uh, you know, some of the older listeners will probably recognize them. Supergrass supported them one night. Echo Ballet, people like Mains were and Pelly and people like that. And there's a few other bands that I've forgotten them now. Uh, and, and we would go in and we had a little local following who would come and watch us play and all the rest of it. And it was just guitar indie, but it was great crack. And I was, and still am quite tall, I used to hit my head off the roof of the wheat sheaf because it was only about six foot two, the roof, once you're sitting on a stage, you know. Uh, but we had great crack with that. And, and that's around about the time that all these, you know, Radiohead was touring. Uh, who else would have been there? Pulp used to be touring up and down the country. And, and we used to go and see these bands at the same time. And the fact that we were playing for some of them was, was, was wonderful, you know. And we loved all that aspects of just going in. And it was real seat-of-the-pants stuff. You'd play maybe five or six songs. And you went in and you went off. And uh, you get talking to the main band. So we were talking to Supergrass and Gene and Acubali and all the rest of it. So, so it was, it was, I mean, there was great times to cut our teeth in the music scene in Stoke and Trent, you know? So what year was that? Oh, now you're talking. It was about, we would see, early noughties, that sort of time. Yeah, so you're talking maybe 01, 02, 03, something like that. 
you were a student, a student at Kiel then as well when you were doing that? Well, it was it was the first year that I came across here. So I was a student. Right. Uh, this is just before. So it was over the period that I was a student. Uh, I'd done uh, my qualifications in uh, Queen's Belfast. Then I came across to University of Ulster to do accountancy. And then I carried on doing a master's in that in uh, North Staffs. And then I decided to do a little bit of teaching, which took me across to Keele. And so it was in that transition of the North Staffs into Keele. So it was a couple of years there that we did that, you know. So in that, was that band uh, two guitars, bass, drums? What, what was the lineup? Yeah, it was. I just wrote the songs and melodies, words and melodies and electric guitar, bass, uh, drums. And my other friend John was on electric guitar as well. He's a real Johnny Marr guy, loved all that. Very, very gifted. I think he still does a lot down in Reading. And then after that, because the, the, I, was, I was pretty much the only one that was in the area because of you know my partner then. And then the other guys, they moved off down to London then and across, uh, one went up to Ebden Bridge, another one down to Reading. So, you know, their, their families took them away and the jobs took them away from the area. And then I decided to do my own thing. Again, I was always singer-songwriting. I went back in, into the bedroom, got a few more releases and, and a few more different college radio and music mags. And Bus Stop Records was another one in the United States, uh, which were lovely. Uh, there, there's a couple of labels in France as well that, that released some stuff. There was even Elephant Records in Madrid that I went to visit once and they released a an orange vinyl 45 single of mine as well, the way back. I think there's only like 500 released and the collector's item now. So if you want to go out and pick one up. <laughs> and all the while, all the while been in the bedroom and doing little bits of that, you know, and always having the niche, always having, a, you know, a curiosity for the singer songwriting. And at the time, <clears throat> pardon me, I can remember uh, getting, well, a, getting married, but also having a good friend in Andy Mackay, who was, uh, he was the partner of, of my partner, uh, and they were close friends. And I met him, uh, and I was just overwhelmed by his, his uh, well, he's such a selfless guy, and, and I decided to, to get involved a little bit of music with him. And uh, again, uh, it took the role of, of me, words and music, and, but Andy been able to come, al come along and, and write guitar parts, bass parts, drum parts, piano parts, whatever parts you could put to him. And he was always there. He was a, he's a great resource for that. A real sort of a benchmark, a real backbone that you could really depend upon. And even to this day, he's still one of the wonders then. And, and I think from thinking back to the end, Craig, that was the start of something wonderful because even going from the bedroom and then taking it into the live arena where you have to recruit more musicians and, and in order to make the sound the way you want to make the sound, you know, uh, you had to recruit as, uh, as you would do in order for them to, to develop that sound that you could hear in your head. And Andy was part of that, you know. Josiah Wood had gone. That, that project came to an end. You went back into back into the kind of writing phase and then that's when you met andy and then did you then recruit other musicians and start to move forward again it it, it wasn't i mean i, I had i had my fill of the of the gigging part because it was i mean it was it was it was wonderful while it happened but it's a very stressful arena you know the gigging and 
and the odd bit time we'd done a few things in London and Manchester and it was wonderfully, wonderfully satisfying but you had to get up the next morning and go into Kiel you know uh, you know you had lectures nine o'clock in the morning so it was a wee bit tough for that so I decided let's let's give that a miss and the guys were doing their own things as well heading down to different parts of the world and I went back into the bedrooms to to start recording little bits and pieces again and then with Andy in tow as well you know his flavour on things and his pop sensibility was wonderful because he would rein me in you know and make them a little bit more commercial a little bit more 4-4 a little bit more Beatles which is what he loved but all the while I'd be trying to break away from this frame <laughs> but it was yeah. good because yeah. the yin and yang that we had together was a real positivity that we could discuss and, and talk about and then we thought to ourselves okay I wonder if we could maybe take some of these simpler arrangements and maybe start to put the feelers out for for some live shows to see what we could do. And we went down the route of recruiting a drummer. And there was a couple of drummers down the way. Uh, <clears throat> Paul Murphan was one that we had, and uh, which was wonderful, God rest him. And uh, another one was uh, uh, Martin Parker as well, down London Road, Professor Martin Parker. And, and as these people got more involved, and then the shows took off. And the family started to grow, this musical family that we had, uh, where we'd have to say to ourselves, all right, well, here's a few gigs that we have. Can anyone do these gigs? Well, if you can, then we'll put our name down for it. But if you can't, I'm going to need a depth to stand in. So the family would get ever so bigger. And even to this day and now, I'm, I'm trying to trim down as much as I can so that what, what was wonderful, you know, with a 14-piece playing live, is a real headache whenever you try to arrange logistics, who can play where, and all the rest of it. And that, I mean, that that's a it's a very satisfying thing once it once you get to a stage. But to make that happen, it's a very very difficult thing. And 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 therefore, what I, what I tried to do over the course of maybe the past year, maybe, is to try to trim down and maybe just maybe get a solid core of musicians, which is what I've been trying to do. And, and I think we've been quite successful with that, you know, so there's a stable core and depending on the venue and depending on payment and whatever else, we can drum in other people, you know, mm -hmm. to make that, uh, that arrangement just that wee bit more richer, you know? Yeah. A 14 piece band is always going to be difficult in terms of, first of all, you know, financially it's mouths to feed. And then of course you've got to get them all on stage and all mic'd up and, and is there enough channels and it, it can, it can become you know, a headache as well, can't it? Doing that. Um, but what's what's interesting as well, Greg, because obviously, I, you know, I know I know your music really well. Is is that even? You, and I think in the past, I've maybe tried to nudge you towards the odd cover, but you've never done it, have you? You've never particularly been a fan. I've even thrown the odd one or two in there. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I used to. I mean, in the days when <laughs> I bust around Belfast and coming over here initially. I mean, you know, I used to love, you know, lots of Belfast bands at the time, the Drenchers and Black Velvet Band and, and four of us even, Bob Kennedy, God rest him, Petrol Motion, Divine Comedy, Hot House Flowers, you know, Waterboys, Duke Special, all these, you know, that, that I would listen to. But whenever I started to try to, to put my slant on things, I could never get something satisfying. I don't, unless it was something were and, and I mean I've been to see so many live bands that the odd wee time you go and see something you know and I can remember going to see it was the Water Boys and they covered something 
and the cover it was something like it was a Springsteen song. It was something that, like Dancing in the Dark or Born to Run or something like that. But I didn't know it was that song until you got to the chorus because the arrangement was so lovely. And I thought to myself, well, their imagination and their, you know, their charisma for songwriting was so interesting that they were able to disguise this as if it was their own. The whole wizardry that they were able to create was lovely. And that got me thinking. But by thinking of, of the covers, I would sit down oftentimes. I had done this before, you, you know, where, where I've thought of covering something. And I'll try, instead of the major chords, introducing a few minor chords and possibly even developing it a little bit more. Uh, we embellishment there, a little ornament there. But it would always spin off onto something of my own creation. And to wheel it right back again, I thought, no, I'm kind of liking this one a wee bit better than what I started doing. So I have, I have done that before, but I haven't been that successful. Commendable how you've, you've stayed with that, because it would have been very easy for you to, to kind of package yourself as the, you know, the Irishman. The, you, you could have used that as a, a label and done all these Irish cl- classics and, you know, but you've stayed true to your own music. And I think that's great because even I've tried to nudge you occasionally. Why don't you throw the odd U2 cover in there? And I think it's great. I think it's great that you, you know, you stayed with your own material. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, the arrangements that you would do for the school, that's your own slant. That's your own professionalism. That's your own musicality in order to be able to do that. I, I don't have that in me. Well, whenever you were, I mean, sitting across the, you know, the table from me in the pastoral office at St. Joseph's, Whenever you would let me hear this arrangement, and I went, "Oh, that's incredible!" You know, for those mm. for those big shows that you would put on, you know, uh, the school, you know, Christmas dues and all the rest of it, in front of you know thousands of people, you know, in Stoke yeah. on Trent, and I, I would often feel, "Oh, that's a lovely thing," and different groove and different, or, you know, different arrangements. But I could never, whenever I tried to do that, I would spin off on this tangent and I would start making something of my own that I, you know, go back to you know, which is a bit different. So it's a different way of doing it. So I did resist your charms, I must admit, in those instances, you know. <laughs> well, I, I tend to, I suppose, think, you know, commercially in terms of you could apply to one of the big, you know, a live network locally, package yourself as yeah, an Irish, you know, performer, do all the, the Irish classics and probably get some quite decent, decent Absolutely. pay for that, you know, go yeah. out and do weddings and, and, well, I think it's I think it's better the way you've done it, and I think coming more up to date then now with with the current. So t- tell me where the Seven Wonders name came from again. Was that Ted? Oh, okay, it was it was Ted actually. My son Ted, and uh, he. Uh, I mean, I, I as 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 I would recruit these people, there wasn't ever seven. <laughs> there, there wasn't ever seven of us. There would be a core of four or five who were the solid pillars of the wonders. And, and as I would want to, to write for, you know, that Tex-Mex, that big Americana, huge brass riffs, you know, even reggae and indie and death country, people have mentioned the odd wee time, but something that's got a real, I mean, trying to write that's something a wee bit original, that's the first thing, so I haven't heard it before. So instead of having guitar riffs, why don't you make them huge big brass riffs, you know, and uh, <clears throat> instead of having a chorus that's sung, have a chorus that's brass, you know, things like that were, and not only that, but not having a brass section, but having a brass main line, which, 
no one was doing, you know, at the time. And I don't even think they're doing now. So it's, it's, it was one of those things where I thought to myself, well, let's change this sound ever so slightly. And then, you know, I thought to myself, well, all right, we can use this name. And because I'm writing this stuff, I suppose it's, you know, and I, I didn't mind at the start because with Josiah Wood, it was just a bad name. I was up for yeah. changing anything. And, 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 you know, speaking to the players at the time, and, and most of them are with me still now, you know, who haven't moved out of the area and all the rest of it, uh, they said, no, no, let's have it the name of me and something else. So we went through yeah. bits and pieces, and, and Ted, uh, we were driving down to Cornwall, <clears throat> pardon me, a few summers ago, and there was a Stevie Nicks song in the car, as I remember, and it's a song called The Seven Wonders. And just out of the blue, this song came on and the kids were singing along. And it's a real, you know, real positive, life-affirming song. It's a lovely song. And uh, you must Google it if you get a chance. And, uh, and, and Ted just said out of the blue, Greg Murray and the Seven Wonders. And I went, that's it. That's it. And, and I messaged the rest of the Wonders and I says, what do you think of this? And I got seven thumbs up. And I says, let's go for it. <laughs> so it went on the posters for the festivals. I went on yeah. the logos and all the rest of it, and uh, and a lot of people. I mean, thinking uh, you know, friends and stuff. A lot of people says, no, no, you, you can't have this something something and and something something and something something and. And I thought, well, why not? You know, and and Andy was very much, yeah, you know, friends, uh, you know, close to the to the core said, you know, yeah, let's go for that. You know, it's. Uh, You've loved the live shows, haven't you? And, and I think it's yeah. it's a real. I, I think well, until I heard the the very latest material, I used to think that your 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 main strength was as a front person to get the party started, to front yeah. the band. But having listened to the very very up to date recent stuff, there's a there's a beauty in the way you write music and you know lyrics that I didn't know was there before. Oh, I didn't hear it before, and now, and now I can hear it, and I can hear it because no. of the way it's been, it's been, you know, produced. And I know Mark's had a massive hand in that. Yeah, Mark, he uh, has indeed, and everything else that's gone on since. I think there's a there's a clarity, and it's a clearer it's a clearer soundscape than it was before, um, and it's brought out the the beauty in the you know the production material. 
Um, and I think, but I think it's great. I mean, you, you come you come to life on stage and you get everybody on tambourines and dancing around, don't you? You love it. You love it, don't you? Sometimes it's at the uh, <laughs> the embarrassment of, of the audience and even myself, but it's one of those things where, you know, you know, friends and relatives would often say, you know, you're a longer time dead than you are alive, you know? It's, again, it's a real Irish truthism. And, and you know, and I think with, with different losses and family and relationships and what have you, and my dad passing on as well, you tend to, it, it, I've, I've always found that it's, it's a much easier idea to write a sad song than it is to write a happy song. And when I say a happy, I mean a positive message, life-affirming message that really sticks with you. and. And I often try to latch into, you know, characters in a song. And I mean, they're not my, sometimes they're my experiences, but oftentimes it's me walking the shoes of somebody else and what they're thinking uh, and, and things like that. And, and, and I will flower things up and where I'll try to think, well, that makes for a more interesting character, but behind it, this is a situation. And oftentimes the situations are not ones of, of you know rosy you know fragrant roses in the garden they're not there's something a wee bit more uh, sinister a little bit more well there's a strong undercurrent of negativity behind it all and in order to take that and make it more life affirming and make it more positive is something that i try to get across in the lyrics i mean if you were to break down some of these songs and you, you know you will often say to yourself well what's that about and i'm a great one like Van Morrison used to talk about, never tell anyone about what your lyrics mean. You know, I mean, there's one song that he's got, which is called Cleaning Windows, as I remember. And he was on an interview by, by some, some BBC Belfast radio presenter to say, oh, this song, Cleaning Windows, it's made such a, an impression on my life. Uh, tell me, Van, about this lyric where I think Mick is at the, Mick is at the bottom holding the V so we can stop for tea and something like that. He says, what is this V all about? And Van just perked up to say, you know, V is where window cleaners at the top of the ladder, they used to form a V because they rest against a wall. And it rhyme was stopping for, for buns for tea or something. And, and this guy's impression of this song that he loved dearly all his life and had such, you know, rhyme was such, you know, you know, you know, aspects of his life that he loved so much. Uh, was, was was blew up into a shambles. So so I'm oftentimes not that involved with describing what the lyrics are about. But if you read the lyrics, lots of them are they're very negative, but the melody is is trying to have a euphoria of positivity, a life affirming, and that's something that that, that really creates. And 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 oftentimes, whenever you're in the live arena, and there are 14 musicians, you know, it's it's a real cacophony, and sometimes you know. To, to the negativity of not getting the message across, you know, I sacrifice that for the live because it's how it appears, sometimes as much as how it sounds. And oftentimes, I know you've been to see us and people are shaking maracas or hitting bongos and they're not even in time. But just to see the expression on their face and they're loving it so much, you, you pass it by. And, and, and possibly with these producers in Canada who are releasing this single and this new album of ours, uh, what they've been able to do is to, to look at us live and say, yep, well, that's all fine and dandy, but the message isn't getting across. And I think now, as you've mentioned, Craig, we have to get the message across that there is a song behind it all. And oftentimes, because we haven't had a release in all this while, we haven't had something professionally created for us, 
it has always been a mad cacophony of, 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 of spiritual positivity in one side, but the people who get the music are the people dancing with us, people performing with us on the stage, but now we have to make it sonically clear. So the message of the vocal and the, the message of the line is getting across. And these producers, I mean, uh, one of them, Corey, uh, has his own company there in Edmonton and up in Canada. Uh, as a husband and wife team. The first thing he said to me at the start of lockdown 10 weeks ago now, he said, Greg, I'm going to produce these records to make them as commercial as they possibly can. You have to trust me with this. And I've, I've fought him tooth and nail, you know, in lots of the arrangements, but he, he, he is coming good and I can see what he's trying to say. He says, the most important thing is the message that you want to get across in the song. If there's something that's conflicting that message, it shouldn't be on the record. And this is why I think, Craig, you're able to hear the songs so that they're able to breathe. There's much more space in them. And I think it's, it's time, you know, for that to be heard. So there's yeah. not a mad cacophony of, of you know, of the other people playing, you know. So tell me what there is next to achieve for both yourself and for the Seven Wonders musically. Where, where do you see this going? Okay, well, I think in order for these songs to be heard, uh, I, I would love, I mean, I'm, I'm a realist. Uh, I know that's a very, very difficult <coughs> pardon me, arena to be in. Uh, I know that it's in order for, for people to be, to be heard, uh, the, it must be in the right platform in front of the right people. And I'm hoping with the label interest now, which is what I've got, and a superb you know, group of friends that have, that have recently made and who are wholeheartedly behind the distribution, uh, which is going to be through Sony. Um, I know that what they're interested in doing is putting the band and putting the music onto uh, different platforms. When I say platforms, that could be a live platform in support of their other artists that they're pursuing currently, but also looking for uh, sync deals uh, where you can, you, know, you can have music on on film music on Netflix and all these different places and and to sync music up like that I think that would be a beautiful thing absolutely incredible thing where you could have a score of a movie or something like that yeah and that that really struck me listening to the current mixes that you sent me that really struck me that that I think they'd be really well suited placed in 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 the film genre because you do write stories your songs are stories with beginnings middles and ends definitely and I think I think if they can find the right platform for that within the film industry, and um, that could be amazing, amazing thing to to focus on. I mean, I, I think I think in this day and age as well that there is such so much social media and there's so much out there where people are clamoring for for the right scene or the right emotive, you know, soundscape. You know, why not? You know, why not? And and oftentimes that. You know, it's not it's not the money that we do this for. I've been doing this for such a while, and <clears throat> and, and really, the thing that I, that I treasure most about what I've got is not the songs, but it's the friendships that the songs have brought. You know, and 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 yeah. that's the lovely thing, and and to have the respect for <clears throat> for people in the community that we can play our music live to, that have supported us all the while. I mean, just this morning, I. Uh, I, I put on to the social media platform platforms the artwork for the single that my wife has kindly done for me and uh, she's done the artwork for the album as well and so many people have just as oh, I love the artwork and 
I love, you know, it's about time you've got something out there. And, and it's just a little reward for them because the video that's going to follow for the single, uh, as I was talking to you earlier on, Craig, I, got, I managed to get 122 different people involved. Who I just yeah. sent them a little message to say, if anyone's doing anything in lockdown, uh, I'd love you to play along to this or do whatever you want to do. You know, if the, if the music takes you, then allow yourself to be taken. Uh, but stick it on to the iPhone and, and, and see if I can sync it up. And uh, I'm in there myself somewhere, but, reading the yeah. newspaper. <laughs> You are clapping along and doing your thing, and I appreciate you, appreciate you for it too, fella. And uh, you know, and, and just just to uh, you know to thank them as well because if there's any releases or anything else out, out there, it's time that they you know we're party to that. And and in the future as well, I'd love to do more videos that involve them, be it live or through other things. You know, I fancy doing a little bit of animation as well and getting involved with that. So maybe look out for that in the future too. It's certainly going to be some time before we can uh, expect to see yeah. you live with the current situation, mm. isn't it? It's going to be, I know that. you know, certainly 2021, I think, uh, you know, been, in terms of venues and theatres, and it's a very worrying time for musicians, isn't it? I mean, this, this summer would have been lovely because I think we'd, we'd like about 10 festivals booked for us and some real great slots, you know, and, and we love our festivals so much. But... They've been pushed back to next summer, so fingers crossed next summer we'll have something. I know, I know at the end of, I think in August, we've got there's a Burslem Festival coming up. I think we've got our own show in the museum in Hanley coming up, I think it's the 11th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's still available, and, uh, you know, it'd be lovely to see a few people come down to that. But I'm not even sure about that either. As you said, it might even be autumn before we can get in the same room together. It's a you massive know. question mark, isn't it, between, for, it is. for the theatres and gigs at the moment. And so I think Absolutely. to explore other platforms, as you just mentioned, animation, for example, I think it will be, mm. it'd be worth doing that, you know, and sensible to do mm. that. If people want to hear any previous uh, albums, because um, there's Times 10, isn't it, out there? There is, that's can right. Can people there access is. that through Spotify or through any? Yeah, well, it's, it's, on, it's on Bandcamp. I mean, because I don't have a, a label, I'm not with anyone until now, really. Uh, all, I've, I've got a, a record contract and a publishing contract now, and that'll be all going through Spotify. And therefore, our back catalogue of material will be going through Spotify as well, because I know the label that I'm with, they're, they're distributing everything through Sony, so they've got to, to, to go over all the bits and pieces in order to gather, to gather all their resources for their distribution as well. But yeah. I've got, uh, I mean, uh, there's numerous singles, vinyl singles, CD singles, as I mentioned, uh, from America, Spain, Italy, France, UK. Uh, and you can find them on my website. It's uh, uk. And I think maybe, Craig, if you put a link in the podcast, that'd be yeah. nice of you. There's, there's a link um, in, the, in, 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 this, in this one, and there's also a link yeah. in part one of the podcast as cool. well, which is on and I can, I can link it up. I can link the podcast on my website. Yeah. There's also, a, uh, I've got a, a, an extended album called 45 Songs About Love. With oh, two yeah. bonus. I know it well. You know it very well, <laughs> Mr. G. I always wonder when you got to song 38, what there was left to say about love. <laughs> oh, I'll keep going. That old chestnut. You've only, yeah, I mean, you, can, you, can, you can never sing enough about love, am I right? I mean, if you're not singing about love, I don't know what else you should be singing about. But yeah, there was even three bonus songs, 45 songs about love. But that's all on Bandcamp, along with, as you say, a, a release from, oh, well, God, I think it's about 2010, called Times 10, 10 tracks as well. 
which is one of my favourites as well. And we even live, we even play the Audrey song and that too. That, that, of course, is the, one of the songs we were dropped from that one, if you remember. Well, Mr. I, just about to say, <laughs> I think probably my greatest claim to fame, as I'm the only person to have ever been dropped from the band. <laughs> the only one of many, many, many people. I'm on the cutting room floor. You were just too jazzy. Way too jazzy. It's on the cutting room floor. That is somewhere. Fun. And it's still there. But I, I mean, I, 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 st I, I still have that version with your jazzy saxophone solo on that I did especially for you and for Mrs. G as well. Get rid of it. We don't want it. Get rid of that one. I think it, I think it was a coffee coaster for many years. It's a coaster, yeah, it is a coaster, yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. So in a few weeks' time, we're now, we're, today we're June 1st, and we're expecting yeah. this new release to come straight from the mm -hmm. Canadian connection very soon, next few weeks. Indeed, we? indeed. The Canadians have done their bit, and I'm told by the label that it's in the hands of Abbey Road now. The label, uh, the, the main guy behind the label, Bill, is a lovely gentleman, and I've known him now for almost a couple of years, and uh, he's, got a, he's got a lot of claim to fame behind him. I don't want to, to blow his trumpet, but he's done lots in America with lots of major artists, and he. He's a lovely, lovely, sincere gentleman, and uh, and he's got a lot of faith in, in in my music and in the band and in the message that we want to deliver. And he's put me in a position now where, you know, it's uh, he wants to do a few things with it, and and uh, you know, and we'll, we'll see where things go from here. But he uh, he's explained to me that it's in the hands of uh, Abbey Road now, and I think he's got a favourite master engineer. And he tells me that it's, it's been in their hands now for two weeks. There's a six-week uh, backlog, he tells me. Yeah. He says even the, even the A-listers on some of these big labels are having to wait their turn from Abbey Road because obviously it's, a, it's online now where everyone's just going through uh, the old-fashioned telephones in order to, to be present in the studio. Just to confirm there, Greg, when you say Abbey Road, you mean the Abbey Road, don't you? The Abbey Road in London, yeah. The Beatles Abbey Road. So What an achievement. I mean, that's a great achievement. Yeah, I think. couldn't believe it. I mean, he, he said to me, and it, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, just to have a producer working on the album, that's blown me away and, and how wonderful they are over there. But to then take this and put it in the hands of a master engineer in Abbey Road, I couldn't believe it. I mean, if, if, if I mean, Bill explained to me that if we weren't in lockdown, then I would be there in the studios with, with the band and, and with him in order to coordinate this mastering session. And unfortunately, I'm not. So maybe, maybe another time, you know, maybe another time. You've come such a long way from those um, saxophone playing days. When uh, you were, grade five, tenor saxophone. Grade five, grade, grade five. five. Yeah. Don't knock it. He's a play two reads at once. I did two reads at once. <laughs> I could play so, the uh, Pink Panther theme. Putting that little <laughs> advert in the uh, the Keele University uh, oh, when you were absolutely. seen in there. Now, now your songs have been mixed and produced at Abbey Road, which is a, a wonderful achievement. That's fantastic. It's lovely to see a fella. It really, really is. So tell me about the new album release. Well, I mean, the, uh, the first single from the album, the album is going to be called World Stealer. Uh, it's another one of my favourite songs on the album. Uh, but this song called Border Ring... Uh, I'm not going to give you too much about the message behind it, but um, again, there's a, an aspect of it where there's the, the truth being that a friend of mine was all set for, for matrimony with, a, with his prospective partner. And believe it or not, uh, it was back in Belfast days that this smacked of this character 
and she'd been a Protestant, he'd been a Catholic, and the parents wouldn't allow it. And and were it it's a very positive song in one sense. Again, the message behind it is not such a positive one. And uh, I mean, just to, I mean, I'd, uh, if I could quote a couple of lines, you know, it's uh, uh, I mean, the pre-chorus time has come to listen with your heart. So keep your head up, torn apart. I lost it all when I gave up on you. I bought a ring, could have been, wouldn't do for you. One of the little things that stings uh, and a little thing, you know, for yourself is uh, at the time that I wrote this, believe it or not, uh, it wasn't long after a certain individual passed and uh, uh, Katie Algar, Katie Poole now, she posted a message and uh, it broke my heart and, and what she said, she'll probably remember this if she gets a chance to listen to this, but she posted and it's a line in this song actually that it's uh, she explained that there was another star in the sky tonight and that's what she'd said and I did that, I, I actually put that in uh, as, as one of the lines uh, it's hard to lose. It's hard to lose a friend and dance with the stars, uh, and that's one of the lines in this song. Uh, because as I say, you know, I try, try to maybe take something that's a little bit more negative and try to turn it on its head a little bit, because you got to make the best of the situation presented. You know, that's lovely, Greg. That really is. A little, little bit of that has come from 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 that message from from Katie. Uh, well, I know Katie will be listening to this, and she'll be very moved by that, Greg. That's really lovely. And in fact, I recorded a podcast recently with Katie and her episode is the next one up after part two with your good self. And the new song is called Bordering.
So keep your head.